Our faith in God is not a stagnant state. It's a journey. As a believer, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as together we walk the believer's journey. Well, aloha and welcome to the believer's journey. It's good to be back again. Uh, today, our topic is going to be on grace, compassion, and mercy. Um, and if you can join us here online, great live. If not, we are on YouTube or you can go to our website at thebelieversjourney.net. Today, my guest is uh, Gene Benedict, off to my right here. Hey, Alan. And uh, I've known Gene for probably 17 or 18 years. Correct. Yeah. And um, he is my go-to man whenever I need a substitute teacher. All right. <laughs> Glad to do it, Alan. Anyway, even though I've known you for so many years, I want to I want to introduce you, but I want to read what I have to read here. Okay. You know, um, you were so humble that I never knew you did all this stuff. Oh. You, you nobody. You don't tell. You don't say anything to anybody. No. No. And uh, but I, I want you all to hear this because Gene is a, a, an absolutely remarkable man. Anyway, and this is on my website, or actually more of this is on my website if you go there and click on guests. Gene uh, Benedict is a licensed professional counselor. He is the mem- a member of the American Association of Christian Counselors and is certified in the supervision of counseling interns. Gene is well known for his caring, compassion, and wise counsel as well as his biblical approach to life. Now, this I can attest to because right. the reason that I actually know Gene is um, my wife and I, we needed to go to counseling, and we were recommended and went to Gene for counseling. Yeah, yeah that's true, several several years ago. Yep, until our, our he perfected our marriage and we stopped going. <laughs> hey. <laughs> the Lord I, did that one. Obviously, that's a joke. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, Gene is an expert in the treatment of domestic violence issues. Through the years, Gene has worked in the areas of divorce care recovery, troubled children's and teens in mental health, 12-step uh, com- uh, chemical and drug addiction recovery program, in a specialty training in the areas of domestic violence and chemical dependency. He was the men's facilitator for learning to live and learning to love in San Antonio, uh, which is a domestic violence recovery program. And he was a counselor for troubled marriages, helping uh, good marriages to become better. Correct. Okay. And this yep. I do know. You're yep. married and been married for 40 years. You've got yes. two, two daughters and yes. seven grandchildren. Yes. So tell us about yourself. Obviously, this is a mouthful. Well, <laughs> uh, my, start, my starting place, especially with the spiritual journey, began when I was 15 years old. And I entered into a relationship with Jesus at that time. And at that time, it's like I, I was poor country boy, didn't lived on the edge of the Everglades in South Florida, and uh, I asked God, Jesus, to come into my life and uh, changed everything, changed my whole trajectory of life, and um, got a, began went to a Christian college, and when I, while I was there, I felt called to youth ministry and did that for a number of years, and then I felt like that the Lord was then calling me into counseling. And so that's how I came to do that. And I've been doing the counseling probably for about 30-some years officially as a licensed counselor. So that's how I got to be here and doing that for right now. It's interesting because um, when I was going to college and getting my, uh, my master's degree at this one university, I was getting it in biblical literature. Mm-hmm. And my oh advisor... Mm-hmm. Recommended, and I don't, you probably don't know this, to yeah. also double major and get a, uh, another master's in counseling. Yeah. I only did one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did not want to do this. I did not want to get a counseling degree. I, yeah. I said, well, that's ridiculous. I don't want to go into counseling. I want to go into ministry. And he said, well, you know, it'll really yeah. substantiate and help your your degree. Right. Right. However, so I have the degrees, but... All it's done is every time I've gone into a church to work as an associate, they want to make me a counselor. Ah. And I am just not counselor material. Ah. Uh, you know, I, 
I joke about this in my class that I teach. And I say, you know, I'm the kind of guy that if I see somebody doing something really stupid and hurting somebody, I'm going to say, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> that, you know? that usually doesn't go over very well. <laughs> right. It doesn't help, yeah. Exactly. And so I'm the guy that's going to kick the guy to the side because he won't stop doing what he's doing. Right. So right. I'm really not counselor material. I just don't have it in me. And mm-hmm. uh, But... You know, so to me, the degree is um, there. <laughs> What's really neat is how the living God prepares us all for the unique ministry that he's called us into. Yes. And he didn't call me to do a podcast. So <laughs> I, uh, that is not something that I'm going to be able to do very well at all. But you do that quite well. So I, all we can do is say, thank you, Lord, for the places that you do call us to. And so it's kind of like really neat how uh, when it comes to being able to help broken people and of course we're in my from where i'm sitting we all have brokenness we all have uh things in our lives that we need to change and do differently it's a lifetime journey of healing in my opinion from uh because i when i'm visiting with folks i ask them i say do we you know were your parents perfect and they say to me no and then i ask them were you a perfect kid and they tell me no they weren't a perfect kid and, are, and if they have kids, I ask them, well, now are you a perfect parent? And they say, no. Do you have perfect kids? And sometimes they'll answer yes. <laughs> okay, but no, <laughs> they have to admit that no, their kids aren't perfect either. So that means that we all have things in our lives that need to be changed, that need to be healed, yes. that need to. And the things that happen to us in life as we go along, hurts and pains and injuries and wounding that's caused by Sometimes circumstances, sometimes by others, uh, intentional harming, a lot of unintentional harming uh, that happens in relationships. All of those are wounds, and they all must be healed as we go along. So my job is to help folks in that, from where I sit, is to help folks in the healing process, to help them fix things that they want to fix. Because I can't fix anybody. I don't have the power to do that as a counselor. Um, But if they have something they want to fix and they can identify something they want to change in their life, well, then as a counselor, as a therapist, I can help them do that. But I tell them all the time, I don't have the power to change or fix anybody. Can't do that. The only one who can do that is the is Jesus, and in my opinion, is Jesus and and, and the individual themselves as they work on the healing that God provides for them. So what? So my question is all the time is, what do you want? What do you want to do? And uh, then we can go from there after they figure that one out. But it's kind of like, you know, our topic today is, uh, I don't want to get ahead of you on what our topic <laughs> is, but, uh, you know, mercy. And, and uh, I, I remember when I first heard the word mercy when I was a young Christian, I thought that was the name of somebody else. I didn't know what they were talking about when they used the word mercy. And finally I got it figured out that if I'm understanding it correctly is you don't deserve the forgiveness that I'm offering you. Okay. So it's kind of like we'll talk some more about that as we go along. So, so you got ahead of you there a little bit, Alan. Sorry no about problem. That. No problem. Um, so you have your own private practice, correct? Yes, that's correct. And yeah. what is it called? It's called... Um, Wise Heart Counseling, and Gene, if you go look it up on the on the website, it's Gene Benedict Counseling is where we, you would find that okay. one. Yeah. And you'll find that link if you go to our website at thebelieversjourney.net, and you go to guests, and you'll see my guests there under uh, Gene's name. You'll see the link that goes directly to his uh, website, and you could read about him and read about his uh, ministry. I, I have to say that... Um, uh, I know I, I met, just mentioned Gene is my go-to person for to substitute for my class, and um, I, I have to say this to you that I think you are probably the most gracious, humble man that I've met. Oh, thank you, Alan. I appreciate that. The reason why I want you on, on this particular show with this particular topic is because you exemplify the very foundations and and the giving of what is grace and compassion. Oh, thank you. Thank um, you. I know that my wife, you're, anytime she sees somebody who needs a counselor, the first thing she does is mention you. you got to call Gene. you got to well, call Gene. I appreciate I mean, that, that was, a lot. That's, yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah. that's good. I'll, so. I'll accept that reality. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. I'll have to say a big thank you to her when I see her next time, for sure. Well, yeah. um, 
Now, I know from personal experience, um, your methods in in counseling have a lot to do with the fact that you're you're kind of laid back, but you have this biblical idea of principle of where we need to go rather than just the clinical idea that's out there nowadays. This is, well, how do you feel? You're, okay. you're more like, you know, well, let's see where the decision is going to take us biblically. That's true. Yeah, because I believe that God's Word has the answer for everything. And it's a matter of discovery, of matching the God's Word with that. doesn't mean that we get into a Bible study whenever people come in for counseling. It basically has to do with the, the biblical principles of, of what works in relationships. Forgiveness, healing, uh, confession, um, and uh, allowing others, uh, meeting people where they are, which is a biblical principle. It's what the living God does for us. He meets us where they are as opposed to where we would we would like for them to be. And as a counselor, that's one of the things I have to do is meet people where they are is where I think they should be or someplace like that. No. We're, let's see, growing to, I like the whole idea of healing. Uh, I like the idea of healthy. Healthy is one of my big words. Is What does it take to be a healthy human being? What does it take to have a healthy marital relationship? What does it take to have a healthy a spiritual relationship with the living God. What does healthy look like? And as I look at all of that, I discover that balance is the key to healthy. Uh, if your body is, there's something in your body that's not working right, it's out of balance. So then we do those things to help bring it back into balance. And the same thing would be true in marriage relationships. Something's not working right. There's some brokenness. There's some woundedness that's happened. Uh, so that has to be healed so those that relationship can then come back into balance. And maybe it started out unbalanced to begin with. And so how do we find what a healthy Christian balance looks like from that Christian perspective? So I tell people I, I do counsel from a Christian perspective, but that doesn't mean I'm going, we're going to have a Bible study uh, in the midst. You know, I tell them I, I might quote scripture, I might... Uh, asked to pray at the beginning or end of my sessions, but uh, it's professional counseling, which means that we're going to stay focused on solution, on possible solutions that are available to them. And um, my another one of my ideas is is in psychology. I'm convinced that anything that works in psychology is based on a biblical principle. If it doesn't work, it's not. It, the reason it doesn't work is because it's not based on a biblical principle. So uh, that's how for the. For the last 30 years, I've kind of lived by, by that one when it comes to sharing with people and trying to, to help them discover so, solutions for the dilemmas that they find themselves in. Mm-hmm. And uh, so once again, I, I see myself as their, as their helper, trying to help them discover those things that can help bring healing into their lives. You know, it's interesting. Uh, my last program, I had Scott Keppel mm-hmm. on the show, and we talked about, you know, suffering and pain and things mm-hmm. like that. Right. He and I are on the same page in this one area is that we believe that the Bible um, really has the answers right. one way or the other to every problem yes. or every situation we face. There yes, I'm convinced of that as well. Yes, that yeah. is where I've been where I've been coming from since I uh, entered into that relationship with Jesus when I was since I was 15 years old and uh, I've discovered over the years that that's true in every situation that I find myself in uh, that the living God has he really does have the answer and I've also discovered he's a lot smarter than I am <laughs> well, that's probably true with me and, and a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. He's got—he really does have it figured out, you know. Yeah. So the question becomes: Is can I trust him for his answer, and can I trust him for the direction that he has laid out for me already? And it's when I begin to say, "I think my plan's better than yours, God." That's usually when I get into trouble, and I always have to go back to him and say. Father, your plan really was better than mine. One of the problems I have in, in my life, and, and um, I was talking to my class about this a couple of weeks ago, uh, we're actually studying David. Uh, okay. And uh, we've studied about his life and 
and where he came from and through the years on the run, through the years with his army and through then in becoming king and then through the years as king. And it's interesting, as I was speaking to my class, I had said, you know, my major problem is the fact that, you know, when I was a kid, I was like 10 years old, I, I kind of instantly became the dishwasher, the cook, the house cleaner, the diaper changer. Wow. I was it. You know, my dad was right. no longer there. My right. mom was working. And mm-hmm. so I I had this I had this whole idea of take charge all the rest of my life. Sounds like a parentified child to me. <laughs> yeah. That's why when I met Susan, yeah. you know, just before we were married, I told her, oh, by the way, I don't cook. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and and I think it's just because you know somebody asked me just um, just today or yesterday why why did you say that? It's because I think I started cooking at ten years old. I got tired of it. Yeah. And yeah. Susan was like, you know, that's okay. Then my mom comes along. You know, as we're married for a few years, and says, oh, don't let Alan make you think he can't cook. Yeah. Oh, yeah. mom, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's like my wife and I when we first got married. We were. Uh, we we decided that we we didn't want to wash dishes. We'd already washed enough dishes as it is, until we ran out of dishes to eat <laughs> off of. And then we decided maybe we could do it together, and that might help. So, well, yeah. you know. Anyway, uh, so my, I found that my one of my problems is I'll see something, mm-hmm. and I'll take charge and go do it. Right. And thinking all along, well, since I'm doing this. In my mind, I'm thinking, well, you know, God has made me smart. He's made me mm-hmm. understand, and I really love him, and I'm going to follow him. So the things that I choose to go forward with, he'll come along and bless it, mm-hmm. yep. which is a drastic mistake. Yeah. And yeah. it's been proven to be a drastic mistake yeah. uh, much of my life. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, when we talked about, I was talking about earlier, Lon Ekdahl, he's, he'll be coming out here to be on my program Soon, hopefully. Awesome. And he yeah. writes this. He wrote a book, mm-hmm. and he and he on the book every chapter is is a uh, hymn. Oh wow, that's awesome. And in the hymns, what he does is he talks about the different areas and churches that he goes from one place to the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there are times when he did not want to go somewhere, and there was a district superintendent telling him, "Oh, we want you to go to this right. place, this church, right. take this church." Right. And right. or go to Hawaii, you know, and uh, he'll say, yeah. "No, and I'm not. I'm not going there. I'm building this other church. This is right. what I'm going to do." Right. And the thing is, is the key there that I really hit me hard was that that person will tell Lon, "Well, would you pray about it?" Mm-hmm. And Lon would say, "Yes, I'll pray about it." Right. And so in the book, he says, "So I did." <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Yeah. And then, and then it was remarkable how God opened doors, yeah. because He did stop to pray about it. Right. And right. I, and I think that I've been missing that. You know, I've had some amazing teachers in my life, but I think I may be hard headed enough not to listen to some things, thinking that oh, I can do this and God's with me. Right. And I'm not right. taking the time to say, well, Lord, you know. Uh, is this the direction you want me in? Right, right. And, and I and I'm realizing that you know, like with this show, it was really interesting. I was I was introduced. You, you said, "Oh, I'm good at this podcast." I don't know yeah. that I'm good at all. Yeah. All I know is I was introduced to to be on the radio because they needed a Bible teacher. Right. And to me, it was like, well, no, I don't know if I want to do this. That was my right. first answer. I don't think I want to do this. <laughs> Because yeah. I'm used to a live audience. I'm used to right. people asking me questions. Right. And there are times I'll sit there and enti- an entire class or even I've gone to right. done a sermon at church when I was an associate pastor. Right. right. And, and then I'll, I'll ask a question and the whole time is all about question answering. Right. So right. I like the live audience. I like the questions. I used to call myself the Bible answer man because I could stand <laughs> there and just answer the questions. Right. And it was right. really fun. Yeah, I remember when you and I were co-teaching, I remember that. You know, whoa, it was kind of, you made it kind of fun because you brought the scripture alive for us, which was I always enjoyed. You know, being able to be in class with you to do that, and I got to add something every once in a while to that. But it was like this is good, so I appreciated that a lot. And, and you know, and I never went to school to be a teacher. I went to be a, a pastor, which is mm-hmm. not what I became. Right. So, but what's really interesting is that I chose. 
not to do this. And then they, I said, they asked me, what, what would you want to do? And I said, well, I would like to have a show where I have somebody on it. And then mm-hmm. somebody people would write in or call right, in right. and I can answer questions. Right. Oh, that will be an hour show. That costs money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Oh, well, you know, then I said, well, let me think about it. And I, and I told my class, pray about this. I decided to take up this idea. Right. Let's pray about it. Right you know, it's not my thing. It's not what I right think on. I would be well. And as I put it out as a request to pray for, two people in my class who have businesses raise their hands mm-hmm. and says, we'll support you. Well, praise the Lord for that. We'll sponsor you. Yes. And I'm like, you're kidding me. Well, maybe I really do need to pray for this. <laughs> you know, maybe I really take this at heart more and more. And then I started talking to another friend of mine who has a, a health insurance business. And he says, oh, I'll support you. Well, there's almost my entire the entire Lord. funding the at this Lord. point. So I decided to take a, a serious look, go back and then do this. Mm-hmm. And But then it got to be, instead of being on the radio, it got to be on video. It's really neat how the Lord leads you, isn't it? Oh, I know. Yeah. And now instead of reaching people in San Antonio area, I'm actually reaching people in Europe and Africa mm-hmm. and India. Thank you, Lord. Wow. I mean, all over awesome. the country. It's pretty amazing. And I would never, ever think that this would be my thing. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. It's like I never imagined that I would be a counselor one day whenever I was doing my undergraduate work and stuff like that. Always, I knew that God had called me to be a youth minister. And I uh, did that for several years, for about 15 years. And then the Lord just led me. I mean, it's like he prepared the way for me to make that decision to step over into the reality of doing counseling. Yeah. It's like, well, I had, uh, if somebody had told me that whenever I was graduating from high school, that someday you'll be a counselor, I would not have believed it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that the basis of my story basically mm-hmm. is the fact that because I was thrown into a position where I had to take charge and be in control mm-hmm. and be in charge all the time, it just became habit for me Amen. through my years. Yes. And yes. then and, and I thank you for this book, Lon, for writing this, because mm-hmm. really it helped me stop and say, well, I need to ask the Lord, where's, where's the door op- that's opened? Right. You know, and that that's a and here I'm, I'm getting too old for this. You know, right? I should have known this years ago. <laughs> and so this is great. This so is we're great. still learning. Yes, you know, ongoing still learning. process. You bet. So anyway, um, let's get to our topic here. We're talking about grace and compassion. Let me let me let's talk about grace for a second. Grace is free and unmerited favor. It is there is nothing that we could do. To earn grace. Right. Okay? Right. How, what is your take on grace? Well, my take on grace is, is that as you read through God's Word, you see it from Genesis all the way to Revelation, God's grace, His gifting of His love to human beings throughout the Bible as, as in stories of, of broken people and how God forgave <clears throat> them and how He healed them. Uh, and He even extended that to... People who uh, were not uh, weren't part; they weren't part of the nation of Israel. He even had one of his um, prophets one time, a guy by the name of Jonah, go to the city of Nineveh. Who Jonah hated Nineveh. He did not want man. He wanted to get as far away from them. When God said, "I want you to go preach that message to him," it was a real short message. I think I could have preached that one. <laughs> And uh, But no, Jonah said, no, he didn't. He got as far away as he could because he said later on, after the people of Nineveh had repented, because the message was 40 days, you know, it's all going to be destroyed, which he would have been happy with because of how badly the people of Nineveh had treated other people, and especially the people of Israel. And uh, but, he, but, God, but when they repented, God forgave them. God not only forgave them, he healed them. And uh, Jonah got mad about that, and God said, "Shouldn't I be? Shouldn't I care about people who don't even know their right hand from their left hand?" And so these weren't even these weren't even a, this wasn't even a Jewish community, and it was God showing compassion and grace. They did not deserve it. They didn't deserve His grace. They didn't deserve His compassion. But nevertheless, He showed that compassion and that grace. Uh, John three sixteen, uh, the verse that is known worldwide. What's that all about? God's grace. For God so loved the world. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say he waited until there was a bunch of good boys and girls down there to send Jesus and his gift. 
Uh, he said he loved and he gave. And that giving, not to people who deserve it, but because he says, I choose to. Now, most of us, in my opinion, mo- I've discovered that most people really like getting grace. They really like receiving grace. Um, but when it comes time to give, to be the giver of grace, usually we're not too keen on that one, if I can use that word. We, usually we, want, we, we get a little judgmental about whether or not somebody would qualify for that grace that we're going to give them. Do, do The word we use is, do they deserve the grace that we're giving? And the reality is, is when, if it's grace... Nobody deserves it. Right. Uh, they, we don't deserve it. Of course, we want people to give us grace. And, uh, well, do we deserve it? The reality is, no, we don't deserve it either. So it's a wonderful gift. And can you give grace? Can you do that? And I think that when Jesus lives within you, you become a person who wants to go about the business of giving that which is which you have been given. You Freely you, it has been given to you, freely you give. And so we get in the business then, if we serve Jesus, if we serve him, we get in the business of being a grace giver. A grace giver. And looking for opportunities to do that uh, becomes a, should hopefully becomes a daily activity for us. You know, it's, it's interesting. You brought up the, the story of Jonah. Yeah. And um, something that I've learned in these past several years is that uh, well, something I've heard for almost all my life in, in the, as a believer is that the Old Testament is is a book of uh, laws mm-hmm. and regulations, and the New Testament is all about grace. And so we have the world of the New Testament grace. Right. However, what I've learned is there's actually more times and more teaching about grace in the Old Testament than there is in the New. Yes, David and the grace that he received from the living God afterwards. The law, awesome. the law in the Old Testament, that yeah. the laws, I should pluralize that, yes. the laws that David broke in adultery oh, and murder and lying yeah. and all these things and Sometimes that he did. I'll ask patients, you know, they think they've really done something terrible. I say, well, have you killed anybody? Have you committed adultery? Have you done any of those things? Uh, no, haven't done any of those things. Okay, well then... I think the Lord can restore you if he can yeah. restore David. And that's awesome when you think about God's love for David. Well, I, th- I think what happens is, and this is really funny before mm-hmm. I get there, yeah. is that, and I mentioned this a few times ago, I have a, I have a guy that's in my um, class, and he's, um, he's an uh, engineer. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and so he's got all these questions and all these comments, and he, he likes to... Uh, Put everything me on spot as much as you can. His name is Tim. But what's funny is that he sat there one time and says, you know what? Why do they call it Old Testament and a New Testament? It shouldn't be called Old and New because then you think one is old and it's no good anymore. And there's the new and it is. It should be called the first and the second. Oh. Now that, well, that's really good because that's okay. true. Yes. And and what I what I teach people now is, Remember this, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes, yes. He's the same God today that he yes. was in the Old Testament. Yes, yes. And the way that we look at and the way that we're taught in our Christian environment, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in, in our society, if you will, is that the law of the Old Testament is all about legalism and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But when you read things about, of David talking about the law, he says it's life and liberty. Right, right. And 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 so when we look at the law, if we actually see how God gave it, we realize that God gave it because of his love and grace for this people. Yes. When we see how it's been altered and and I should say disfigured during Jesus' time, it was yeah. perverted. Yes. And Jesus and Paul both had a hard time with it. Not the law that God handed to them, but the law that the scribes had gone over and changed and so forth. And Jesus had a hard time dealing with these people who did this. And they lived by a legalistic law that never was meant to be that way. No, that's right. And I, right. and I think that when we, when we understand that God is the same, God is holy, God is love, God mm-hmm. is gracious, God is, are, is all these things. He's merciful. 
then we realize the God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. He was so merciful. You know, he, uh, we look at the prophet Hosea and how he said to uh, Hosea, I want you to go marry a harlot. I want you to go marry a woman who is going to be unfaithful to you. And he used that as an example to say, to illustrate the point of how Israel and Judah, that at that point in time, there was a, the Jewish community was divided in north and the south right. kingdoms. And uh, so, and God, you know, they, they were unfaithful. They were unfaithful to God because they pursued idol worship and they were, they uh, worshiped other gods. And, and God, God used this to say, be, even though you've been unfaithful to me, just like this woman with Hosea, over and over again, eventually Hosea had to buy her off the auction block and bought her back, redeemed her. To me, that was a, a prophecy of redemption for all of Israel, for all of the, for the Jewish community. Yeah. And, he, and he didn't redeem just Israel, but he had redeemed all of humankind when he sent Jesus to be that wonderful gift yeah. to the world. And which So... You talk about redemption and, and grace and mercy. God was showing, demonstrating that even then in the book of Hosea, where we see how He loved Israel, He loved Judah, and He loved the, the human, all of those people. He said, "Man, bad, you know what? Judgment is going to come, but I love you. I love you. I love you, and I am going to be faithful, even though you are unfaithful. I will always be faithful to you." Which is that grace and that mercy that required. I mean. In our in our culture, if somebody's unfaithful to us and they decide to go off with somebody else besides our spouse, we usually how how many times do we do that before we say no? I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. You know, well, usually just one time. That's usually the case. Yeah. <laughs> usually the case. So where God says, no, you know, no matter how time how many times you've been unfaithful to me, I will remain faithful to you. Yeah, that is grace. That is mercy, in my opinion. Yeah, and being able to. Love us even though we are at times in our walk with him, sometimes we're unfaithful. Sometimes we uh, make unwise choices and decisions along the way. And But the living God is there to do what? To pick us up and to take all those broken pieces that we have done and glue them all back together again and create something new, which is something that when I'm talking, when I'm doing counseling with couples, I say, you know what? You have an opportunity here to create something new if you will allow the living God to bring the healing into your marriage that is possible for you. And uh, sometimes they're able to do that, but God wants to create something new mm-hmm. out of our broken pieces. How come? Because he's faithful. He's faithful and he uh, has his faithfulness of forgiveness and grace and incomprehensible. I don't understand it, Alan. Maybe you can help me out in understanding that one better. Well, you know, I think, you know, we're, we're all, we're all the, us human type people. Absolutely. We no, all have these that. problems and we, we run around with, with, uh, woe is me or I'm no good or mm-hmm. I've done this and they ha- and we're fed this low self-esteem and we start right. carrying it. And, but when we realize, for example, let's look at some some figures. There's uh, Abraham and, and Sarah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Abraham and Sarah were not the epitome of faithfulness. Not at all. No. They they lied. Yes, they did. I mean, you know, the, both of them did. They they yeah. deceived Pharaoh. They uh, even when God told them you're going to have a son. I mean, what did what you know? Sarah laughed. Basically, and and here we have. And she came up with her own plan about how. To oh, I know, and that work. worked out real well, didn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Abraham, he, he didn't protest too much either. No, it, well, remember. most men probably wouldn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, they were human beings, so weren't they? But the thing is, yeah. is even when they got to be older, yeah. and we have where where the the uh, angel or the son of. Yeah. God comes, you know, the Son of Man or God of the angel, the angel of the Lord, they call him, yes. came and talked to Abraham and just basically told him, stop, you're fooling around and get your life together so you can have your son and we can move on. Yes, yes. You yeah. know, I mean, he really had to confront Abraham. Yes, he did. 
So I, I think that, you know, we can sit there and woe is me, look at all I've done in my life and uh, for all these years and not go anywhere. But God still is there to prepare and do miracles in our lives. Even when we get older, Alan. I know. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the only one that's told me that. Lon, you know, Lon, yeah. I think hey, it was a, What you just gave us there was a wonderful example. I know. <laughs> Lon, Lon had told me about a year ago or two years ago. He said, "You're you're still, still, you know, have time to, to do a lot of things." Absolutely. He has believed in me more than anybody I've ever known. Awesome. And, awesome. and uh, but uh, I guess he saw stuff in me when I was a kid. But I'm no longer a kid, and no, I keep thinking, no. "Whoa!" And I, but we do this. Look at Joseph live now. Joseph's different. Joseph yeah. hung on to the Lord and was faithful to the Lord. But if you notice toward the end when when Joseph was working with his family and all these things that happened to him were bad because of what his family did, he made the comment is that you did this for harm, but God you did this to use for good. Amen. His Amen. his whole attitude was that to persevere and honor mm-hmm. God. Amen. And, and there's others. He, he showed a lot of grace, didn't he? He really did. Yeah. He did. I, I mean, think about this. They sold him <laughs> for dead. Yeah. Yeah. And and yet he showed grace. He showed mercy. He had forgiveness. He had it all. Yeah. He had the whole package. Yes. You know, there's there's Moses. Now Moses is another one. There's another oh, story. He, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all kinds well, of problems. And how, but and how old was he when he began his ministry? When God called him in the ministry, Alan? How old was, was he Moses? 80? He was eighty years yeah. old. Yeah. So you're not you're not even close yet, <laughs> Alan. So, uh, yeah, so so we're, we've got a long ways to go for that. And then he wandered around for about forty years with a bunch of people that complained oh, all the time. So. <laughs> But I think that, you know, when we look at the Bible, we have to take into account that the Old Testament has lessons for our lives for today. I mean, look how many people walk through uh, their life today and they, like you said, they, well, how could God forgive me because of these things I've done? And yet if, if if we took the time to read the things in the stories of the Old Testament, we would realize that the very things that we struggle with are there in the Old Testament to teach us that God still loves us and He still has grace and mercy for our lives. Yes, absolutely. You know? Yes. Yeah, I think one of the stories of Jesus' mercy toward a woman, the Pharisees, one of my concerns is, is I, I don't want to be a religious leader who uh, gets so caught up in the rules that I forget the mercy part of what God's talking about. And, and the Pharisees brought this woman, and they said they caught her in the very act of adultery. Well, uh, she that woman knew that she was about to die. She, it was a death sentence for her. And they stood her right up in front of Jesus and confronted him. Hey, the law says, Jesus, blah, blah, blah. And... Uh, you know that she you know this is what's going to happen to her and then Jesus doesn't say anything he just sits there and he says he writes in the sand and nobody knows what he wrote of course but uh, then he simply says something he says he who is without sin let him throw the first stone okay well I don't think any of us can go around throwing rocks at others and so of course if these guys had rocks we would have heard them all go clump 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 as they all dropped them and then how Jesus responds to this woman what does he say to her he said where are your, where are your accusers where are those who condemn you she says there are none to condemn me Lord neither do I condemn thee go and sin no more that was you talk about compassion you talk about mercy you talk about you know the uh, ability to um, show redemption to somebody who was a moment before that was about to be killed by the religious people of her community. Mm-hmm. And now he gives her freedom, uh, redeemed her life. Well, and that's like, thank you, Lord. I mean, so that to me, that example of how do I might do, am I one who shows mercy like Jesus does? Or am I one who, like the religious leaders who gets so caught up in the rules of how everything should be that I miss all of the the other the other part of the business of serving him and and the, actually the very crux of the matter here is that they misquoted the law yes they did oh the, big time the law says that both 
parties had would be, be still there. Both parties, right. and they only brought the woman. So That's where's right. the guy? So they That's misquoted right. number they one. They misquoted it all the way around. Exactly. And, so and Jesus knew that he because he's the guy that helped write that stuff. Yeah. So and then on top of it, you know. They're acting as if, you know, well, if Jesus does one, we've got him. If he does the other, we've got him. Right. It's like, well, are they forgetting that God had mercy, in, you know, years ago? Did he yeah. have grace? Did he, have, he give this? And it's, it's like, how often do we in our day and age do the same? Yeah. And they forgot they were talking to the rule setter anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they couldn't they see that he was the rule setter. They, they couldn't they, see they it. They totally missed that yeah. one. Yeah. So, yeah. but I think that we need to, when we take a look at grace, we take it something that's unmerited favor, something that's yeah. given that you don't earn, that you don't deserve. Right. Um, that's big. And I yeah. like what you say yeah. that, you know, God is the, the grace giver, but so are we. We, yes. are, we are given that to give back, yes. to be grace givers. I teach very, very strongly that the very foundation of Christianity is that we become like Jesus. Yes. That's our foundation. Yes. Bottom line, what, what is a Christian? Too many people think a Christian is somebody who is saved and goes to heaven. Right. Well, wait a minute here. Let, let's back up. A, a believer, a Christian, is one who is Christ-like. The very term Christian means Christ-like. Right. It right. doesn't mean heaven-sent. It doesn't mean, uh, yeah. you know, but Christ-like. And, and the Bible teaches us that we need to become like Jesus. Well, if yes. Jesus was the very epitome of grace given to us, yes. you know, then we need to be that which is grace given to others. Yes. You know, I, I, I teach, I've taught many times about how Jesus is love, and therefore we need to... See, we, we, we struggle with this. We struggle with love. We struggle with forgiveness. And the areas we struggle and the reasons we struggle with love and forgiveness and so forth is because we look at the acts of love or the people we need to love or the people we need to forgive or the acts of forgiveness and we deal with them as acts. Yes. I have an act of love I need to do. Right. What they're not doing, what we are, unfortunately our tradition doesn't teach us this. No. What we need to be taught is that we need to become love. Yeah. If yeah. we're supposed to become like Jesus and Jesus is love, then we need to become love. If Jesus is grace, we need to become grace. Yeah. That very yeah. essence of who Jesus is, we need to become that. And stop dealing with acts of grace, acts of love, acts of forgiveness. Rather, become that. And that way it's like breathing air. It's like second nature. Yeah, to me it's kind of like I call it handing out roses all day long. Uh, to people, they, if you're at HEB in the grocery store and you're che- at the checkout line, it, what, what does it cost to say to the person who's checking you out, hey, you know what, looks like you're doing a really good job today. How much effort did it take to say something like that to somebody? You know, and, and of course, now you get, that's very simple. There's lots of ways to hand out roses like that. But Jesus says, you know, to love people who love you, that's no big deal. But to love people who oppose you and who, you know, use you and stuff like that, he, and he used the example of somebody slaps you on one side of the face, so you turn the other one to them. Uh, he says, then you're starting to catch on if you can do that. I, mm-hmm. I don't particularly like that scripture, Alan, but I, because I think it's difficult to do. So we like giving, we, we like being able to give grace to people who are nice to us and who are good to us. But to give grace to someone who obviously, in our opinion, doesn't deserve it, and especially at a moment when we're uh, emotionally aroused with upset and anger, to find in the midst of that an opportunity to give them, give the other person a rose. Not sarcastically, but to give them something positive right in the midst of it. Mm -hmm. And... uh, that becomes a little bit more interesting then as we go along. So when do I get to hand out grace? When do I get to, you know, receiving grace once again? We like doing that. But to handing it out, Lord, to me it's an ongoing process. To love people the way Jesus loves people. Sometimes that's been one of my goals is, Lord, please help me to love human beings the way you love them. And as I go along, there's every once in a while I'll look at somebody and I'll say, that one too, Lord, that one too. And he's and he always the Holy Spirit always responds with yes that one yeah. as well, 
So that so that's the Lord loving them and helping me to learn to love also, even with folks that I might look at and say, are you sure, Lord, that one too? And the answer is yes, that yeah. one too. So that to me, that's what great, that is an ongoing grace uh, giving. And and even though I've, I've talked a lot about the Old Testament and grace in the Old Testament, I don't want to minimize the grace of the New Testament. Not at all. That Jesus, you know, gave of himself you know, mm-hmm. and we didn't deserve him. Not at all. We didn't no. deserve him, and Jesus gave of himself to the point of, of death. And to me, that that is, you know, the epitome of grace. Yep. Yeah. You know. And it's a, it's kind of like uh, he made a decision to do something, uh, knowing that uh, the world there would be generations of human beings that would never ever receive or believe in him. But he gave anyway, and gave, Jesus gave himself, and the Father gave this gift, yeah. knowing that there would be generations of people who would. But that's the gift of love. That's what makes the love so profound. Absolutely. And that's what makes our the love that we, that hopefully we can experience with one another, uh, wherever we find ourselves, in marriage, at church, in our business, and just walking down the street and experiencing other human beings as we go along. Passing that love out to to others. How do we do that? Lord, please help me. Because some days, Alan, I do it better than other days. And it depends on whether I'm talking to my wife or not as to how well I do that one. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully I do it better than most of the time than when I might be upset with her about something. Okay. Well, so, we spent a lot of time on grace. Let's talk about compassion. Compassion. Let me read something here. Okay. okay. Compassion literally means to suffer together. Mm-hmm. Among emotion researchers, it is defined as the feeling that arises when you are confronted with another's suffering and feel motivated to relieve that suffering. Compassion alludes to kindness and sympathy, but where, but there is something much deeper, something even more profoundly powerful in its meaning. The Bible talks of a God who has compassion for Israel. It tells of a Savior who suffers for the world and it asks us to live and act compassionately. Yeah. What do you think? It's a, it goes back to that giving thing again. Compassion. Seeing something. Being able to become aware of a need uh, that, we're, that we are, we're observing for, uh, that we discover and making a decision. Uh, there is a need there. Uh, and I... I want to, somehow I want to be able to help that need or help that person. I have compassion on them. To Jesus said, you know, that he wept over Jerusalem. He had compassion over the whole city. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, when, and the, he says he wept. He didn't say he sniffled over him. He says he wept over him because he had compassion over all those people. God had compassion over the city of Nineveh. Compassion, he says, most of these people, they don't even know their right hand from their left hand. And then he says, then what about all the animals, too? That was com- God's compassion yeah. for those human beings. So it's compassion. So it's like I, I look at, so you know, we have co and passion. With, the co is there and the passion. I have a passion to do what? A passion to minister. And more, more importantly, I think, care for passion to care for those in need or a concern that I might have. What's, yeah. what's my compassion level like? And there's some folks who don't have a compassion level. They, 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 uh, we, they, we usually put a label on them as sociopaths, and they are individuals who do not know how to feel. They don't feel. They, they don't believe. They, if you ask them if they have, do they have compassion? Do they have feelings toward you? They don't feel anything toward anybody. What about the person who, uh, after so long, so many years, whatever, loses tolerance, and that affects their compassion? How yeah. does that? How do you? Well, that, so how they no longer have a passion toward the needs of others. They no longer have a passion of a caring passion mm-hmm. for the needs of others. And usually, and like you just noted, how come? What what happened? Because they've been hurt and wounded so many times that. That why do I want to keep putting myself out there? Why do I want to continue to do those things that result in me continuing to experience negative things coming my way? Yeah. Okay. 
So, I mean, and that's what Jesus, that's what God was trying to say to Hosea. Guys, you can't even begin to understand the love that I have for you. And he was trying to demonstrate that over and over again. And you may, you may lose your compassion, your passion for me, but I'm not losing my passion for you, my compassion for you. Yeah. So the, the, my way of saying that is, is sometimes people struggle with, um, you know what, Does, they're not sure whether or not God could really understand their situation or their habit or their addiction or their, what, what they are, the pain and hurt that they're struggling with. And they may be, have been struggling with this for a long time. And now they're trying to experience recovery of some kind. And, uh, and then they mess it up. And then I say, now, do you believe God doesn't understand you? Do you think God doesn't have compassion for you right now, even though you just messed it up? You know, mm-hmm. because you, and uh, no, God has compassion for us all the time. And so right up until the very last breath, God has compassion yeah. for us. Anyway, so that's mine. So what are some of your thoughts, Alan? Well, let me, let me read. I wrote down something here. I want to mix in mercy here with okay. compassion. I, I, I found that in my study here of the, this group that mercy and compassion have a lot to do with one another. So let me, I, I, I wrote I this here. Compassion or forgiveness is shown toward someone uh, whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Mm. Okay? Mm-hmm. To be merciful is to give attention to another person without judgment, if necessary, forgiving the other person and helping to meet his needs as if they were their own. The model is Christ, mm-hmm. who shows mercy to all, through his sacrificial redemption of the world on the cross. Yeah. You know, I have been shown mercy um, beyond what I can uh, fathom. When I was, for years and years, I would always have a problem watching movies where Jesus was beat before he went on the cross. I would cry, I would weep. Mm -hmm. You know how hard it was for me to Mm -hmm. watch the Passion Passion Mm -hmm. of the Christ? Oh, wow. Oh, my word. I just just wept. It was so hard because I I just have a hard time, you know, with how much mercy God gave me, compassion he felt for me, and what he went through in order to, to do that. Yeah. That was that's really hard. It's still not so, easy for me. It, I call it incomprehensible. Alan. It is. It is, yeah. and, and it touches me to the core. Yeah. Uh, right. I've talked a lot about Lon Ekdahl, and I know one person in my life that I, um, you know, it's like it's like at home. You know, you you talk a certain way. Your grandmother comes over. You straighten out the way you talk. <laughs> straighten out the way you 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 act. Lon's kind of that thing. Well, in my life, there was a situation where I had did I had done something, um, and I lied to him about it. Mm. And later, when uh, either he found out or I told him, he was really angry with me, Mm. upset that he went to bat for me, Mm. and I had lied to him to Mm. whatever it was fear or so forth. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget that in my life Mm. because that. That struck a chord with me of how much I hurt him, mm-hmm. yet how much mercy and compassion uh, he had for me, yeah, even yeah. though I did him wrong. Yeah, yeah. And 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 that's something I, I could never forget ever, and realize this is the kind of integrity yes. that I am being shown that I need to become and yes. have, because that's that Jesus. I mean, to me, that's really important that. That we, as believers in Jesus, have this kind of integrity to say that, you know, I have forgiveness for you. I have compassion for you, and I am being merciful to you. I don't deserve half the mercy that is or Mm -hmm. compassion or grace given to me. I really don't. And yet I have been a uh, receiver Mm -hmm. uh, of of these things in my Mm -hmm. life beyond... Uh, comprehension. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and I, and I can say for myself, I know I've got, like I said, I entered into a relationship with Jesus when I was 15. And as a 15-year-old, as an adolescent, as I was growing in my walk with the Lord, 
uh, there were many times when the Christians around me and the community I was living in were merciful toward me as I did dumb stuff as a teenager, um, as a college student. I was thankful for the Christians who surrounded me, and I know they showed me mercy many times as I blundered through uh, some of the things I blundered through. Thank you, Lord, for forgiveness and for healing and for the mercy, the kindness that came my way as a result of that. And it's, and But because I experienced that from them, I also learned how to also show mercy later on because otherwise I would not have known how to do that had not mercy not been shown to me. And so mm-hmm. people still show me mercy. I'm thankful. Uh, you show me mercy whenever I have to say, no, Alan, I can't go do that. Okay. Well, you know, even so, Jesus, so even it's like mercy that happens, you know, thank you, Lord, yeah. for your mercy. Even Jesus says that we need to forgive others their well, sin, their trespasses. And his and his big, the, I think the most awesome example of that was when he's hanging on the cross and these guys down there who are gambling for his clothes, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Yeah. I mean, you talk mm-hmm. about mercy you, uh, I, that, if I was Gene Benedict if it was me Gene Benedict hanging there I would have said Lord could you send some angels to take care of those yeah. guys you know but that was Jesus' example to us of, of yeah so profound yeah. so do we really get it do we understand it no so compassion and mercy I think you're right Alan they go together you, you know? know and, and um, it's, it's funny because I've noticed in my own self especially in these last few years mm-hmm. um I tend to have more compassion and mercy on people. Um, I don't know, your masses, mm-hmm. your, your friends, mm-hmm. uh, people I don't know that well. Mm-hmm. I tend to have less on religious leaders who mm-hmm. are deceiving people. Because they should know better. Exactly. That's exactly where I'm at with yeah. that. I have a real hard time with that. and. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, but I also know that Jesus had the same hard time. You know, <laughs> he, right. he treated the same you way. You have good company, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, and I think that's part of why I do this show is yeah. because, you know, there's people, you know, um, when I first started teaching, uh, well, no, after about the middle part of my teaching, I started realizing that more and more people, teenagers and adults, had questions. Mm-hmm. Questions they've asked and didn't get a good answer, any answer, they felt foolish. And so I started opening up. That's why I said I, I like the live audience because there's questions that people need to have answered. Amen. Because Amen. the leadership, Amen. you know, traditionally they'll grab on tradition and feed them the tradition. Right. And these are not real good mm-hmm. biblical right. teachings or answers. And mm-hmm. so I have this, this stuff that goes within me, and I'm, I'm here to say, well, this is what it is biblically. This is right. the accurate. And I think there's direction. a hunger for that today, Alan. I think, yeah. that, I think there's a real hunger for wanting to know, wanting to hear the Word of God preached and taught. I like, well, I like the idea of better taught. And it is a better concept there than telling somebody, but basically sharing and helping people to learn uh, what God's Word says about all of these things. Yeah. So it's a, it really does become an interaction between uh, student and and the, the one sharing. So and that that's the interaction that happens in the classroom. You're as much a learner as the learners in the classroom with you. Yeah. And that we learn together as we explore together. But it's the questions that challenge us to really think about. Okay. Well, yeah. All right, well, let me see if I can have a better answer than the pat answer that I've been either using or been given, and I, or I've been giving all these, these many years. Because here's an honest challenge. Like, I like the first and the beginning one as opposed to the Old and New Testament. I thought, that was pretty good. I like that. See, today, that was a good thing to hear. For, yeah, I like first and, and second uh, as opposed to Old Testament and New Testament. See, I learned, thank you for helping me learn something today. That was really good, you know. So, but it's an ongoing process yeah. as we go along. Exactly. So, I, we and we never arrive is the interesting thing, and uh, and it is an interaction. Somebody once said that some uh, educators get the idea of that they are the one who's holding this pitcher of knowledge, and if you hold out your little bitty mug. I'll fill it up for you, and you digest that, and, and you empty that out, and you come back, and I'll fill up some more. 
that yeah. doesn't work very well. But when it's the interaction together, that's like Jesus. One of the reasons we love Jesus so profoundly is, is he was always interacting with people and he was always sharing things with them that they got. They mm. understood. People understood sheep. They got it because they live with sheep. Yeah. Okay, sorry, I've gotten carried away here, but <laughs> okay. anyway, but it was interaction with Jesus, and and as and as he, that's why the people said, you know what, he doesn't teach like the Pharisees do. See, the ter- the Pharisees were the guys with the pitcher. Mm-hmm. Jesus was the guy who interacted with them, and that's why you, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you right up there with Jesus because wow. <laughs> see, you like the interaction because that's where the where the discovery. It happens for folks, and that's what we're looking for, in my opinion, is the discovery of uh, those things that can help make a difference. That's why I try to begin my counseling sessions with prayer, and anything with prayer is, you know, how, Lord, we need your help in discovering that. So Lord gives us good ideas. Well, um, you've been listening and watching uh, our show on Grace, Compassion, and Mercy along with uh, Gene Benedict here. And uh, it's been a pleasure having you today. And um, you have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next time. Aloha. Alan Cutting and the Believer's Journey radio program seeks to teach the Word of God in a clear and practical manner. For more information, please visit the podcast page at am630theword.com.